0: In the holy name of Jesus. One thing we notice when we take our Bibles and we turn that page from Old Testament to New is in the Old Testament, there's only just a few scant references to demonic activity and demons, maybe one or two. And when you turn the page into the New Testament, when our Lord Jesus arrives in the flesh, the Word of God incarnate. Demons are crawling everywhere. They're on every page, nearly every chapter of Mark's gospel. So Jesus has dealt with demons before. He has rebuked them and cast them out and bound them. He has even given his apostles the power to do the same. But as Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration today, he sort of despairs of the whole project. O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? And he has good reason for despair. This is the generation that he will later say will receive all of the guilt of all of the generations that came before them. All the righteous blood, says Jesus, which has been shed since Abel was killed by Cain will be visited upon his own generation. And the mechanism, the specific reason for this transfer of guilt from generation to generation is that Jesus' generation, Jesus says, will persecute his apostles and even kill them. He seems not to be worried that they will also kill him. But because they persecute his apostles, which Jesus sends to them, they will be closing their ears to the word of God. They will be silencing the tongues of the very ones who have been sent to proclaim life to them. And so they will become faithless, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There is a rather vivid example of this in the book of Acts, chapter 7. Stephen, the first martyr, preaches Christ to the assembled officials of the Jews, and He preaches this sermon from the Old Testament to proclaim Christ as the fulfillment of the law for them. And they're so angry uh, at this proclamation of Christ that they, they eventually stone him. But not before they run at him. Literally, the text says, plugging their ears. They literally plug their ears at the word of Christ. And this silencing, this plugging of their ears, this intentional deafness of Jesus' own generation is sort of what the demons are all about. Because what do we hear from our gospel for today? Today's demon is called both mute and deaf. And that makes sense because they go together. Uh, when one cannot hear, then one also is unable to speak. And this is also this is true, of course, of sort of in a developmental way. Um, We only learn to speak ourselves by what we hear from others, but it's also true spiritually. We do not speak properly, we do not properly pray to God without first hearing the word from God. It's worth noting today that the demon in our gospel reading especially attacks this boy's mouth. It makes him foam at the mouth. It makes him grind his teeth and become rigid, almost like he's muzzled. Jesus says at the end that the only thing that works against this kind of demon is prayer. But we pray with our mouths. So that is why the demon attacks the boy's mouth, because uh, perhaps the demon has read Psalm 8, where the Lord says um, that, Out of the mouths of very babes and sucklings has the Lord ordained strength because of his enemies. And so the demon does not want this young boy to speak to God. The devil also does not want you to speak to God. He will do anything to grind your mouth shut. And he knows that the best way to shut your mouth is to shut your ears. When we shut our ears to God's word, by ignoring it or by selectively listening to it, or when we fill our ears with all kinds of other things, uh, so many other things that we can't even hear God kind of through it all, then our mouths close as well. We do not pray, we do not confess, we do not proclaim. Our mouths close. Or worse, as St. James reminds us, They may even lash out. Out of the ears that we hear, out of what we hear in our ears, our mouths may lash out with hatred, with panic, with half-truths, with cursing, with self-serving stories, and with gossip. And then, of course, we have the audacity to come to church and say, Bless we the Lord. James warns us, My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And I think we have it kind of especially hard in our day. You all do in your lives. It's interesting that listening used to be almost always a corporate activity, kind of like what we're doing now, right? A whole bunch of people show up to a concert or a lecture or a, some theatrical production or church to, to, a, to, a, to a sermon. And it was all, the audience showed up together and all together they heard the same thing. But this is very rare these days, what we're doing right now. Now, most of our listening is largely personal, individual even. We put in our earbuds, right, and we can sit six in a row and all be listening to something completely different. So it's harder in our day to kind of keep track of all of the things, all of the messages that we hear in a given day. Uh, It's hard to take stock of all of the individual things we hear and to diagnose the ways in which those things that we hear affect our speech, affect the things that we say and the things that we do. And the ways, all the different ways in which you guys are constantly tempted day in and day out, uh, you know, instead of blessing, to curse. Instead of healing, to slander. Instead of praying, uh, to, to use, as James says, to use poisonous words. And that is a trouble, as Jesus says today, because he says, that your prayers cause the demons to flee. Your prayers are what cast out demons. It's no wonder that the demon in the gospel attacks the boy's mouth, attacks his ears and his mouth, and it's no wonder today that the devil attacks our ears and our mouths because your tongues are precious. Your tongues are baptized tongues. Your tongues are honed by the word of God. Your tongue is a weapon. It's, it's fiery. It's a fiery dart. And James talks about the kind of downside of that. Um, but the fact is, your tongue is effective. It is a weapon, and the devil knows that faithful tongues will be the end of him. Because when you pray, God hears. Because just like the Father today, when he comes to Jesus, when you cry out to Jesus with however much faith you might happen to have on hand... Jesus himself will speak. And that is what makes the demons flee. And when Jesus speaks, the demons, of course, are in trouble. And that is a good thing. But it's worth noting in the gospel today that it doesn't quite look like that to begin with. When the demon uh, leaves the boy in the gospel, he convulses him terribly and leaves him as though dead. Now this looks as though, so the, the, if you're looking at this happen, right? Demon in boy, uh, demon leaves boy, boy falls down as if dead. It looks like the demon is keeping him alive. It looks as if the demon is keeping him going. It looks as if the demon is what gives, as terrible as it is, is what gives him life. And this often is what um, demonic things are just... Um, bad things in this world, temptations, look like for us too. It seems that the things are sins and the things that we love instead of Jesus or the things that we're tempted to put before Jesus as if those things are the things that give us life. Those things make us who we are. Those things we couldn't possibly do without. And so it's true of all these things that, that they, they look as though they give life. They look as though they make us who we are. But we learn, of course, at the end that it's Jesus who gives life. Jesus who makes us alive, not some demon. He is the one who will even give us life from the dead. So we need not fear leaving our sins behind. We need not fear focusing on Jesus. We need not fear even turning our backs on those things that may seem to be the things that keep us going. Because they're actually not. Actually, the one who gives us life is Christ. We live in the end by the word of Jesus. He who will give us life in the end. And as we have said, what we hear determines what we speak. And this is also true of our Lord Jesus. This is why Jesus says prayer is so powerful for us. Because... What Jesus hears determines what he says, determines how he reacts, determines how he answers. Jesus hears, Jesus answers prayers. The cry of the boy's father today reaches his ears and causes, eventually, him to command the demon to depart. It happens, admittedly, rather slowly, if you kind of uh, track it through the, the story. First, he asks his disciples. The disciples have trouble. Uh, then he goes to Jesus himself. Jesus kind of asks him diagnostic questions. He kind of preaches a sermon. He kind of rebukes him a little bit. And then, uh, and then uh, he declares his faith. And then finally, uh, Jesus uh, casts out the demon and then it seems to make things worse. And then finally, he raises the boy and gives him a new life apart from uh, this evil. So uh, it takes a while. And in our lives, too, prayer (laughs) takes a while. Seems sometimes to make things worse. Seems to not quite work in a direct, straightforward way. But the the point of it, and all along in this story, is that Jesus is listening the entire time. He is hearing. He is interacting. He is making good out of evil, All the way through this story, slowly as it may be happening, he listens to the prayer of this desperate father, and then at the right time, he speaks out, and the devil flees, and the son is saved. And this is written for your learning. When we hear the word of Christ, when we hear the word about Christ into our ears, often, we come to trust in Him. We come to pray. We come to speak those things which are right. We come to trust in Jesus through it all. And we cry out to Him like a father of this, of this son. And He increases our faith, however weak it might be. And He gives us life, even life from the dead. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.